don't we want to do the uh, intro first? Oh, yeah, we should. Uh, that man's on point. That's why you have him. Yeah, I'm glad that's the main reason I'm here, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's Ben's turn this time. I think it is, yes. Slick. One take wonder. Laser sharp. Do something. Okay. Ready? Three, two. Actually, let's just start over again. Welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile technology and the world around it. My name's Ben Smith. I'm Rafe Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. This is Season 17, Episode 4, and this week we're talking about Google's new Nest Aware product, Monzo's premium offering being withdrawn, and we're talking about whether or not we should buy 5G. Chaps, how are you? Hello. Hello, I'm very well, thank you, Ben. Good, good. Uh, you and McLeod, you are sounding buttery smooth. Yes, hello and welcome. Hi from Copenhagen on the buttery smooth equipment. Isn't it awesome? Did you just buy what Ben told you to, Ewan? I did buy, he sent me an Amazon list and then I had to go and buy it from a local provider uh, because Amazon couldn't deliver to Denmark. For a million T euros. There was quite a lot. There was a million T Danish yeah, kroner. Be, yeah, exactly. And for those who aren't watching in colour, which will be all of you, because this is audio, you and McLeod has all of the good gear. Indeed. Look, watch this, watch this. That's me. I've got a pop filter. And a pop filter. Yeah. And a proper radio-style boom arm. That's right. Hi. Yes. You're listening to Jazz FM. You should have a little red light on the top that says live. I need one of them. Yeah, I want them just, yeah. just here. Yeah. Excellent. We want to say a big welcome back to Mark, uh, Audio Wrangler, who's back on board. The first two hey, episodes of this were thrown together by me with a monkey hitting a spoon on the end of a saucepan, but now episodes three onwards are being edited by Mark with all his <laughs> professional tools. Indeed. So it will sound even more doubly buttery smooth. And oh, yes. With proper editing by a grown-up, <laughs> Rafe Blanford, you're also here. Yes, I'm also here. Hello, everybody. It's nice to be here. And where are we this evening? I'm in London. You're in London, I am in Surrey, at home, and you're McLeod, you look like you're at home, you're no longer anywhere exciting in Europe. No, I'm not in Helsinki. Where was I last time? Frankfurt. In Frankfurt. Frankfurt? Yes. Was I in Frankfurt? I can't even remember that. Yes. You absolutely were, because I utilised my German. Was I? No, you're right. You're right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm back in Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah. Schnell. That's my German. Yeah, Grand. Sorry. It's good to speak to you both, even if it is only garbled nonsense. <laughs> okay, let's crack on then. Right. You and McLeod, you are up first. What have you got to tell us about this evening? I was watching the Google Keynote. And in fact, I was listening to it in the car, which I do recommend. If, you, if you're wondering about Keynotes, I think it's quite a useful way of consuming a Keynote. It was playing away. I wasn't watching it, of course, uh, but I was listening to the audio. Of course. Which I found very informative. And I was rather taken with the Nest announcements. I haven't hitherto been a Nest user, but they've redone their pricing, which they, I think they said it was rather complicated or expensive. I mean, they've now launched Nest Aware per Plus, or it's coming, it's coming shortly. That looks rather interesting because it's rather good pricing, I felt. I think it was the $6 entry and then $12 a month, 6 and $12 a month. And instead of you having to have multiple cameras everywhere, you obviously wouldn't like cameras, but you can now use all of your Nest products. Now, I thought, well, I don't have any Nest products, Nest audio products to listen in uh, as a security concept. And then I realized I do. My home hubs, my Google home hubs have been renamed Nest Home hubs, I think. Oh, so I was going to say to you, like, because 
I come from a time when Nest was the thermostat. Right, exactly, yes. And Google bought Nest. It was this clever, fancy thermostat. Yes. And Google bought them. Amazing. Yes. But yes. now Nest is everything kind of smart homey from Google, is it? Anything that's got audio, effectively, what they were saying, will now be used to give you a feed on what's happening in your house. Now, that is very interesting. I've got lots of Google Homes, Google Everythings. I've got you know, there's a Google Home up there. I've got another Google Home here. And then there's a Home Hub in the other room. I've got Google stuff all over the place. So that it does appeal to me. And I thought, oh, maybe I should be, you know, because I'm a big Arlo user, as you know. Yes. And I'm a big Arlo subscriber too. I've got 10 cameras, I think. 10? I think I'm wow. paying the, yeah, I think I had to upgrade. You know, I think it was nine cameras and you have to pay more. So it got me thinking, oh, should I be swapping to Nest Aware? Because basically Google does lots of interesting things to, if you're a small little Google mini home thing, if that picks up a fire alarm or smoke alarm or whatever, you know, it'll, I don't know, some AI stuff happens somewhere on a Google server in Sacramento, you know, and then it pops up a, a, a notification for you. So I've actually got quite a lot of Nest kit. I don't have any Nest cameras, but that had me turning my head. And then what's particularly interesting is it's $6 a month, or it'll probably be £6, I presume, when it comes to the UK. And that gets you 30 days of event video history. Fine, lovely. But if you pay the $12 a month, you get uh, 60 days of event video history and then 10 days of 24-7 video history. So, of course, I need to buy cameras to think about that. I thought it was rather interesting. I'm eyeing up Nest more as a interesting platform. Rafe, it's obviously it's using the cloud to do clever stuff to monitor all these audio and video feeds. And, you, you know, Google's probably one of the best companies to do all that. But it makes those devices almost sort of completely dependent on a really high bandwidth cloud connection, does it, in order to do this sensing? It does, because not only is it doing the kind of 24-7 continuous recording, and obviously that requires effectively always on bandwidth to mm. be dedicated to that. And as, as you said, the subscription comes in three sizes, which I think gives people a choice, the 5, 10, or 30 days, basically how long you want to keep it for with the matching price point. In the UK, that's £4, £8, and £24. Other countries have other currencies, apparently. Mm, mm. But it's actually the thing that's also interesting. That kind of gives you complete coverage. What's different to before, it used to intelligently identify clips, basically when there was motion or some other event, and recall that now you can have the whole lot, but it still highlights when those events happen. So it's using intelligence in the cloud to kind of do that. So it talks about it as never missing a thing, but also allowing you to watch the key moments. And Mm. there's a nice app that allows you to do that. But it's also, it's got some clever algorithms in it that it can start recognizing people and it recognizes the sound of a person talking or a dog barking and kind of adds that intelligence. But the other thing that kind of caught my attention, some of this has been here for a while, is it has things like the activity zones, which is where you can specify an important area. And we've talked about this with regard to Arlo, kind of have some areas that it should focus on. But now it will start to identify those automatically. So that's the nice. Nest cams can actually recognize a door frame, for example, and know that that's likely to be an important activity area. Mm. So I think what Google have done here is, you know, the Nest cams have been around for a while. You're starting to see cameras in more things. And I think Google using Nest as the branding for their kind of smart home stuff kind of makes sense. But it's starting to make the proposition easier to understand and mm. having more intelligence to it. So you don't have to spend time setting it up. It just works. And the reason this is important is because home security has always been one of the top things in terms of what appeals to people about the smart home. Right. But they've been competing against companies who basically set it all up and just do it for you. And you get this 24-7 recording. Yeah. You get the automatic setup. What they're now doing is using kind of the smarts of 
Google Cloud and some of the algorithms that go with that to kind of get you to an equivalency in terms of barrier to entry and ease of use, mm. but obviously using the Google ecosystem. And you and it sounds like Google are really wanting to sort of do that smartphone style lock-in because you just said it yourself. Oh, I've got the hubs yep. and I've got yep. some of the other Nest stuff. Mm. I might just get the cameras and then all of a sudden there's that kind of the ecosystem benefits. But would you want to go fully Google? I mean, setting aside my personal concern about Google's habit of... Yeah, you've got a Well, they tend to have a habit of inadvertently using your data for their own benefit. But setting that aside, because mm. you know, I won't bang on about that, Google doesn't have great track record in establishing products and then sort of letting them run and mature and that kind of stuff. Mm. They tend to sort of make something exciting and then forget about it and move on to the next thing. And, you know, the landscape is littered with kind of abandoned Google projects. I would like to talk to you about Google Photos at some point because that is winding me up now and again. But let me say, I I bought the Google Wi-Fi devices and they're just freaking amazing. They're just really, really easy to work. It's brilliant. And it was seamless to use. I bet they'll all fit into the Nest ecosystem as well, won't they? They though? do, but then what, what I was thinking is you can now get the, the next generation of these. It's a speaker. It's basically a hub. The main one is a hub or a Nest hub or whatever it's called. So you can actually say, hey, Google, and it'll respond to you. So I'm thinking of upgrading those devices anyway. And yeah, what's interesting is I'm almost there. You know, as you say, I'm almost there. Yeah, I just need cameras. It would be interesting if, I presume Netgear and uh, Google aren't happy together. But then I still have the first generation Netgear cameras I haven't upgraded yet. So I'm now thinking about, well, do I actually move to Nest? And I'm not as bothered as you are. I know, I know your points. I'm a lot more friendlier, I think, at the moment with Google than perhaps you are. Yeah. I think you might convince me that their security cameras are good to have because of the clever AI. Mm. And I, like, I'd have to confess, like, if you said, name me a company who's going to great AI that's going to spot people. Yeah, exactly. This is it. It's amazing, isn't it? It's got to be Google. Yeah. But then in order to get all those benefits, it's all the other stuff and it then creeps into your life. It's like I look, sometimes I look at Chromebooks and go, mm, that's quite a nice, yeah. like the yeah. new Pixel Book Go. Yeah, that looks good. That's a nice looking mm-hmm. laptop. I don't think I want to get into Google land because all of a sudden it'd be like a quagmire. Yeah. Says Mr. Mac. Yeah. You still have your photos on Apple. But I've made a conscious decision. Like I'm. Yeah, I'm well, happy- that's like you can make a conscious decision to get into Google. But there's a conscious set of compromises, and I don't like the ones that come with Google Land. But let's talk about Nest Aware a bit more. So when you looked at this, what was the thing that made you go, oh, yeah, actually, I think I'd switch? It was $6 a month. I thought $6 a month, that's pretty cool. And then I've already got all the devices, apart from cameras, of course. right? So I felt already, I'm already in the ecosystem. And then it's just as you were saying, who else can do this AI stuff really, really smart? Who else can make the user interface beautiful? Who else can make this stuff just work? You know, I, I love that. It's just $6 a month because I'm pretty sure if we scroll back to those episodes where you and I were talking about buying Arlo cameras, mm. I don't quote because I can't Go remember, on. but I'm pretty sure you went, oh, I'm just going to spend the money on the more advanced camera system because this one records locally and I won't need to get some stupid subscription. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, come on. Come on. You know, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Move on. <laughs> that, that's probably an episode, you know, 28, season 19 or something. I think the other difference here now is that Nest actually has a more complete set of devices because there are variants of the Nest Cam, the outside version and things like that. And Google is doing a better job of creating a kind of collection of devices that will fit well together, which they Mm. certainly weren't doing before. And Ben alluded to this when he said Nest was just about the kind of thermostats and then smoke alarms. They're starting to fill in some of the gaps. 
I mean, I think it's interesting because Arlo, if you look at the Arlo Q, for example, it is compatible with Alexa and Google Assistant, so you mm, can have right. it appear in the same way in terms of the alerts, but they're starting to do stuff with the background. I mean, one of the things that was attractive about Arlo is the basic service that records the clips when there is an event is free, mm. although you can extend that with a subscription service that Ewan has. But Amazon are doing the same thing because they've got their cloud cam, and now yeah. that's getting up to 1080p. You can do the direct streaming of it and you know you can have a smart system and in particular it detects things like broken glass and smoke alarms and will also rely on other alexa devices in the home to do that so i think what's starting to happen here is well companies that can have an ecosystem are going to start to gradually win out over the ones that kind of have come from accessories and netgear and maybe logitech fall into that category so it'll be interesting to see how they respond and i guess canary would also be in that and it is the smartness of the additional things you get. Pains me to say, I think probably if, if I had to say at the moment, Google's hardware looks nicer, but I'd probably prefer the Amazon ecosystem for all the stuff I've said. We should move on, though. We'll come back to Nest Aware. You, you should buy it, and then you should tell us what it's like. Yes. Oh, well, then I'll tell you. Very helpful. Guinea pig, Ewan. Excellent. Yeah, yeah right. we're, we're out of time on that. We need to move on, and we're going to talk about fintech stuff we've enjoyed talking about in the past, mm. and we're going to talk about Monzo's premium offering, or... Lack thereof, quick handbrake turn into fintech news. Monzo, for those not in the UK or the US, is a sort of startup challenger bank who are doing incredibly well, probably one of the largest of the the fintech startup banks, entirely app-based banking, and they've had a big hit on their hands in terms of sort of a viral recommendations. Mm -hmm. They're noticeable through the hot pink coral, coral, sorry, debit cards. And I think they've just opened up in the States, although the product offering over there is slightly different. But similarly, people were queuing around the block to get that. Mm. So Monzo announced a premium package. Hooray. Very exciting. Monzo Plus. Yes. Now, what was interesting here, we should say 3 million customers. Yes. That's the current, and they're doing very well. They're very well regarded. I saw a story in the media that uh, Royal Bank of Scotland tried to buy them for 100 million. Pounds, I think that was. Was it pounds? Yeah. yeah, that was James Cook writing in The Telegraph because I read that story as well. Indeed, went, indeed. Yeah. And uh, instead, RBS, this is what the, the Telegraph was saying, went and uh, they said, okay, no to 100 million, you know what, we'll build our own one, which is Boo. Bo. Boo. Bo. Boo. Yeah. B-O with an accent, which I think is actually Bo. Gaelic for cow, which seems... No, no, but wait, but it's Danish for what? Friend or something. Is it? Or it's, Yeah, it's Danish for something. I should right. probably know. It's English for poor branding. It's probably boo. If it was Danish, it would have a little thing through the, the O. Anyway. Anyway, while we discuss names. Good content. They've built their Neil Bank, their Challenger Bank, boat for £50 million. Pounds, yes. Rumoured. But it's interesting now that you, Ben, have been a very big fan of Monzo in particular. And so much so that I think, would you define it as a primary bank, as a key? You know, you're not just playing with it. I mean, the Bank of England was also rumoured in this Telegraph article to be saying they like the idea of, of you having an account with the incumbent, an incumbent bank, and then an account with a startup challenger, because that, that's good for the market, I think was commented. Yeah, so wh- where are you? I'm a 100% Monzo for my personal banking, absolutely everything. Monzo have this concept of pots, where you can take money out of your current account, and I use that for short-term savings. I do use another specialist bank for long-term cash saving, mm. but actually wouldn't if Monzo offered a product that had, you know, sort of um, unrestricted savings limits in it. Absolutely love them. Yeah. You really follow them. I get all my Monzo news from you because whenever you're retweeting (laughs) 
you know, good news or, or, or challenging news for the company. And I think they've, they've all responded very well to the challenges that have been presented in front of them. Question I have for you is you went straight in for premium. The minute yes. it was announced, you're like, I'm having yep. that. I want that. And I think um, Rafe and I, Rafe, you're a Monzo customer. I am, presumably. yes. Rafe and I, I think we're kind of following behind you. Going, oh, this is, looks quite interesting, premium. But you were straight in there. Why? I suppose first up was sort of voting with my money. So like, I like the product and kind of the first thing you should do if you like a product is put your money where your mouth is and use it and support it. Because actually, selfishly, this is a company that I imagine is going to make products I like more. Mm. And also, when you and I were both working at RBS, Tom, who's one of the Monzo founders, came Mm. in and spoke long before I had an account. And I was really impressed with him as an individual, but also the way he worked in terms of, you know, his understanding of iteratively building a business about if you align the things that your business care about with the things that your customers care about, it doesn't force you to do kind of hostile things Indeed. to your customers, all that kind of good stuff. And so I was like, well, actually, it's only a few quid a month. It has some interesting benefits. I'm in, you know, and I, I kind of also like the idea of the I had it first syndrome. Let's be honest, Ben, you wanted mm. a different color card, didn't you? Actually, I reflected afterwards that because I chose a dark blue one, nobody ever noticed it because what I'd done is gone and chosen a color debit cards that everybody else already had, you know, all the other banks' yeah, issues, black go. ones and blue ones and grey ones. So, wait a minute. Rafe and I could also have upgraded, but we just, I think, wait for it. I just went, oh, it's a different colour card. Is there anything else? And I just thought, no, nah, I'll do that later. I did upgrade. Did you? Oh. Because I wanted a blue card and because I thought it was interesting, kind of much like Ben, it was interesting to support oh, it. God. And I was on the kind of special offer, three pounds a month. I thought, ah, it's Can you fine. hear yourself speak? You know, my colleagues in the banking industry, oh my, and he's showing it. He's actually showing up his card here. It looks, that looks like a generic MasterCard there. What was interesting, actually, what became more attractive was the fact they then started bundling in other services. And this was the home option, which gave insurance and offers on kind of a number of partners, including one of these companies that delivers recipe boxes so you can create a meal. There was also a traveler package, which was travel insurance, uh, large amounts of free cash withdrawals and discounts with kind of booking websites. And that was £12 a month. So that's starting to get quite significant. So you went for three. I actually just stayed with the supporter bundle because I already had the other things, but I was sort of thinking about it. Oh my God, I didn't know there were multiple bundles. This is where it gets interesting. I don't actually think these were particularly innovative because they were bundling in things that some other credit card providers done. It sounds quite a lot like what Amex or Barclay Card do on some of their more premium tiers. And what made Monzo stand out to begin with was a differentiated customer experience. You know, they were the first ones to really nail the itemized costing of what was coming through on your card, the freezing of the card, the pots and things like that all of which have now been replicated. So if you actually do a feature-by-feature comparison or a kind of competitive comparison, there's just not that much difference now. And so what's really interesting for me, Monzo have kind of announced that Monzo Plus basically didn't work. They were not getting good customer feedback on it, which was kind of the antithesis of what Ben talked about in being positive and building it around customer need. They've now said they're going to revisit it. And actually, they've basically said we're going to, I think, find other uses for the Monzo Plus team, reset it. And so they are obviously still built around being good with their online community, but they said we're going back to basics and starting from the beginning. They're still growing customer base and they're arguably still the leading fintech in the UK. And they're still interested in this paid subscription. And they were interested in that because it gave them a steady revenue stream. Mm -hmm. 
but obviously it hasn't quite worked out. And what I would guess is that they just didn't get that much uptake and the feedback they got wasn't that positive. And they need to be really careful because that's a central thing to their mm. brand. But I think this is a problem that all the fintechs kind of face is that a lot of the time what they've done can be replicated and the old banks may take longer to get there, but they can get there and they've got the money to invest and do that kind of thing. Mm. And there's all kind of kind of digital transformation and business transformation projects going on to support that. So it's interesting for these fintechs, how do you kind of sustain your kind of entrance into what is a very competitive marketplace? And I think Monzo have been quite brave in saying, this isn't working. It's the fail fast principle. Let's try something else. Wait a minute. Just so my banking colleagues can hear it, you both of you paid money to get a different color card. Essentially. Yes. And a higher interest rate. Okay. Yes, the higher interest rate was good for me. And it's paid for itself. So you paid three quid and then you get three quid back. Uh, Did you actually put money into Monzo for that? You paid three pounds and you got for that... 0.00001% APR. No, they they match the best in UK markets. So you get up a 1.5% back on pots. No, No, which is in the long term is a miserly amount. But it's actually, if you look at price comparison sites in the UK... That's a market-leading interest rate on a cash deposit, instant access cash in the UK. Right. But it's not enough for you to... Okay. But it's really interesting because I think many have received wisdom viewpoints in the colour. Surely people like you don't do things because it's a different colour. And here we are. No, I bought it because it was blue. It's blue because you were saying, yes, I'm pitching in. It's like, uh, I wanted the, like I've invested. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm a Monzo investor. I did some crowdfunding, probably less than the many people but I did it because I wanted to vote with my money. I haven't got one yet, but I'd like my card to say investor on it because it was more about kind of the badge, you know, saying, yep. And it doesn't matter that the card was blue rather than pink. It mattered that that said, yep, I'm in. You know how... um, Fashion. Well, I was thinking more, it was more subtle than that. You know, when we talked about ages, episodes ago, like watches. Yes. And I said, like, I like mechanical, like automatic Mm. watches. What I like are the ones where they don't look really flashy, but it's the one where if somebody else knows, yeah. if somebody else is an expert, they look and they go, yeah, good choice. Like, that's the one, yeah. So Monzo's premium product's been withdrawn. Noticeably, Starling in the UK, who are probably, I think, the next largest challenger fintech bank, you know, in terms of the app. For retail, yeah, yeah. For retail, absolutely. This is all retail stuff we're talking about here. They haven't ever had a premium offering, but they've gone really large on their business banking. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that in a future episode, but I'm using them for my business banking. Mm-hmm. and. It's really weird that actually I now bank with two banks I really like. This is a very strange feeling for me. Very strange indeed. Well, can we hear from some listeners, by the way? I wonder if we've got any listeners who've been using neobanks, not just in the UK. I'm wondering, have you actually swapped to a neobank? That would be interesting to hear, like Ben. Yeah. Yes, and do you love them? Because I'm aware of N26, which has been really big across Europe, but... I'm also aware of, oh, and Revolut as well, but I'm aware of a similar number of people who don't love them because of the way they behave or the customer service and various other failings, you know, which, you know, I'm sure Monzo and Starling have in equal numbers as well. Okay, we should move on because I've completely lost track of time, but I feel like we've talked about that for ages. So next topic, Ralph Lanford, would you buy 5G? Uh, Yes, under the right circumstances. What? Good answer. Oh, that was excellent. Thanks for that. Thanks for coming. Thanks for contribution. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Okay. 5G, it's now started to arrive. You've seen the MiFi's, the Wi-Fi hotspots. You started getting it in phones. Samsung announced it in its flagships. Huawei's got it in its flagships. Lots of Android phones with 5G in them. 
there doesn't seem to be a particularly compelling proposition apart from it's faster and it's lower latency. Mm. And there's a lot of people going, well, not in the iPhone and presumably won't be in the iPhone for another year while uh, Apple sort out their modem issues, or it's not so much an issue, or just get to that point in the evolution. Let the market, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think there's a valid question here. Is it worth having a 5G handset? And I would add, is there anything that is worth having 5G for? So, I mean, you and... Faster YouTube. Yeah, I mean, you're a fan of the Huawei and some of the Android handsets. Would you want one that does 5G? Yeah, I think, um, what's the one I've got? I keep... P30 Pro, that's what I've got. That's the latest one, as far as I know. It's not the latest anymore, Ewan, because there's a 5G version that's better. Oh, jeez. Is it? All right, okay, then I need to get that one. Oh, Ewan, I can't believe you haven't bought the latest thing. That's disappointing. Is it the Mate or is it the P? Yeah, it depends what time of the year it is, doesn't it, basically? Is it the Mate one you want or is it... Anyway, if you said, oh, it's... Hold on a minute, 5G isn't available here in Denmark, yeah. But if it was available, I would be prioritizing, I'd be making sure the handset, you know, did 5G. I'd be happier. I think it would just be that bit faster. Now, but the data here in the Nordics is actually very, very good on trains, on, you know, the, the normal stuff you have in the UK that I, really winds me up. I don't have so much of that. So the data is actually very good anyway. So just faster, I think, would make my life just that bit better. I mean, I do so much now on the phone in terms of you know, the high-definition video I'm filming at the park. You know, is straight into the Google Cloud immediately. And I like that on the, whatever it is, 40 meg, 50 meg, 100 meg I'm getting, you know. Just to be clear, the things you're filming in the park are your children and not anybody else's. Sorry, thank you. That Yes, for clarity, other children may exist. Yeah. I am filming my children for the benefit of my wife, basically. For the avoidance of a doubt, with their consent. Yes, uh, yeah. Film me, daddy. Yeah, exactly. I would like it for just faster everything. It'd just be that bit faster. Because I, I don't know if, I mean, are you... Noticing that, you know, if you're using Apple, because now I've got quite a lot of Apple movies on my um, my account and, and they haven't got Netflix style streaming yet with Apple. I know Apple TV Plus is coming. I hope they have that now because the videos, they almost have to download and buffer at the minute. So I do notice that if I'm trying to watch a movie remotely, you know, without Wi-Fi, but it's still very fast. But getting it a half a second faster is better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah more. And it's starting to be pushed quite heavily by the networks, both in the UK and elsewhere. Mm. And uh, the one that Ewan wants is the Huawei Mate 20X, although maybe he doesn't. See, I told you it was a Mate, right? See, because what the P comes out and then it's... But maybe you don't because, you know, Huawei have the problems with the Google stuff that we talked about in an earlier episode. But you can also get the LG ThinQ, the OnePlus mm. 7 Pro 5G, mm-hmm. which I believe was kind of announced uh, about a week or two ago. Oppo have it and Samsung have the kind of Galaxy S10 5G options and the Note 10 Plus 5G option. And you and you're saying it's a second fast, but I've got to be honest here and say... Oh, is this, is this where you say I don't really care? If you're on a good 4G connection, like there's not a lot to see here. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, wait. I think you could make an argument around latency and gaming, but I have got one where I think it might make more sense. And we've talked in the past about using 4G for home Wi-Fi and potentially replacing your wired router. Now. There are companies that are starting to offer 5G in kind of home broadband, but also in Wi-Fi hotspot or MiFi options as well. And that's where you can potentially share the connection with multiple devices or multiple people, or where you might actually really get some benefit from that extra download size. If you're regularly downloading big PowerPoint files or big files from the office video or whatever it happens Mm. to be, 
rather than just doing the streaming or kind of web pages that you'll be typically doing on a phone, then I think there is a more interesting benefit. The coverage is still quite limited. But I mean, I've used Relish Broadband, which has now been taken over by three as kind of a backup broadband in my flat for a while now. And actually for a while, it was the only broadband I had and it worked just fine. But I did notice at times it was a bit slow. And as soon as you had more than a couple of people using it, then it became eh, not great service because it was running along at Mm. 20 megs or whatever. And actually, it's why I use fiber most of the time now. But on 5G, you are in most cases going to get a faster connection than it is possible to get through your broadband connection. Mm. So almost for the first time, it's almost worth having 5G home broadband because it will offer faster connectivity than you might be able to get through your kind of the wired provider, whether that's BT or someone else. So Mm. my question for Ben, I mean, because I know you went through using 3G for that. Do Mm. you think that's an interesting use case rather than the phones, which seems a little bit, it's just the latest thing at the moment? Well, you've entirely stolen my argument there, which I was going to put back to you and was, I'm completely baffled why the headlines are all about 5G handsets, because surely they'll come and yes, it's a nice Mm. to have. Why is this not broadband for people who rent or people who struggle to get wired connections in their properties or anything like that? But also, I mean, I think I said to you in the past, every iPad I buy, I always buy the cellular version because Mm. the flexibility of having it always on. Why is this not in tablets and perhaps laptops straight away? Because these devices are larger. They've got better uh, opportunities to put big antenna in. They've got bigger batteries to drive this still, you know, comparatively hungry new chipsets. And for me, those are the devices that you've both just described would benefit most. Because yes. having 5G plumbed into my laptop, I mean, an Apple MacBook with 5G data mm. available to it. Now, I mean, unfortunately, at the moment, that probably means my face. But I really do believe that there's a market out there for LTE and 5G connections in mm. laptops and in iPads. And so I'm a bit baffled because I think the people who really end up benefiting most from having this comparatively high-speed connection are probably going to use it as much tethering to a phone, their other devices, as they will actually benefit on the handset. Because there are times when I need to do some streaming or upload some data files. But it's not that often on my handset. We're nearly out of time on this. I just want to tell you a quick story. Go on. Went to a friend's house the other day, older couple, not very tech savvy. They're the people I sometimes go and help with their tech. We've all got friends like that where they mm-hmm. ring you up and go, oh, the, the mouse cursor's gone a different colour. And you go, remove it. <laughs> oh, yes, it stopped, you know. So went to the house, needed to do a massive upgrade on their desktop computer, hadn't been upgraded for years, and mm. that's why you know there were problems flashing up. Their home broadband, because they live out in the sticks, was half a megabit oh download. Oh my God, how do you live? Why, why don't you move house? I needed to download seven and a half gigabytes of update files. So I broke out the MiFi, I broke out the handset, and I got 50 megabits down over three. Wow. Very nice. Wow. Fantastic, yeah. Two o'clock in the afternoon, downloaded, did a bit of work, popped out, had some lunch, left it downloading, came back. Five o'clock, rush hour. You know, there's a train station nearby them. Yep. One megabit for two hours. Yep. And then back up again later in the day. So it's all very well saying, let's rely on mobile networks. And this will vary, I guess, based on where you are. But I'd love a 500 or 600 megabit connection, but not one that drops to 10 in a, a busy time when there were loads of people passing. That is going to be a problem though, right? That, that is the issue with mobile networks. Although 5G does have more capacity and no one's using it at the moment, so it's perfect. And In, Yeah, no. Yeah. I will say there's a cost of ownership thing here because if you look at using three as an example, three home fi, over 12 months, it's 
basically £264. If you compare that to, say, uh, BT or Sky mm. Superfast Broadband, they're at £369. So there's basically a £100 saving. And a lot of this is to do with not having to pay line rental here in the UK. Mm. So for cost-conscious people, and I think Ben mentioned this, for those renting or maybe in accommodation more temporarily, it does make a lot of sense. But I do agree what you don't get is the guaranteed quality of service. You know, we all notice this when out and about with a phone. It might say 4G, but sometimes it's crawling along and it's very noticeable if you're in any commuter or rush hour situation. Mm. And I noticed it with my home 4G broadband that it was noticeably slower at weekends when there were more people at home using it than Mm. it was during the week. So although it's a good option, I think people need to consider it. But for me, kind of home broadband and MiFi on the move would be the reason to get a 5G device. Otherwise, I'm not particularly in a hurry to get it in my smartphone. It'll be a nice to have, but really I'd want it for my kind of desktop or laptop computing devices or if I'm sharing a connection and therefore that kind of mobile broadband in general rather than mobile phone or smartphone is what wins for 5G for me. You get one before brief, basically. That's my job here. So, a tepid reaction to 5G, I think, although you're in the, yes. Oh, come on. I, I, I'd have it. Yeah, but you can't. I just can't get it here, right? I can't get it here in Denmark, so yeah. Congratulations on that. Yet. Yeah. Okay. If you've got any opinions on the topics we talked about this evening, if mm-hmm. you're a Nestaware subscriber and it works yes. well, let us know. Really interested to hear if it lives up or to the Arlo. promises. Or Arlo. Well, I'll be doing an update soon. Um, we just had some more power sockets fitted to the exterior of the house Ooh. this weekend so that I can... Uh, plug the Arlos in and do the more enhanced monitoring and the three-second oh. you know, previews and that kind of stuff. So I'll let you know if that works reliably. Mm-hmm. All the reviews say it probably won't because the products are <laughs> incredibly broken, but we'll Ooh. see about that. If you are a Monzo customer or indeed any of the fintech, let us know how you rate them and indeed what you want from those banks that mm. they don't already provide. And no doubt with the uh, army of people who listen here to hear Rafe Blanford's wise words, there'll be uh, an army yeah. of people already using 5G all day, every day. You yes. can get in touch with us at 361podcast.com or at 361podcast on Twitter, Rafe Lampert. I was going to say we should also answer some listener feedback. Yes, Ben and Ewan are all right. There what? is a reason that they're being nice to me in the first episode. Don't worry, for all of those who've complained about the lack of Rafe bashing, normal service will be resumed in a future episode. Oh, yeah. I think you've just been the victim of some very generous editing <laughs> in the previous episodes. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark, indeed. Okay, well, we will be back in a fortnight. Thank you very much for listening. Please do get in touch if you've got any topics you'd like to hear about in the future. We'll be talking about Samsung building in AirPlay into their tellies, what that means Mm. for ecosystems and lock-ins. We'll be talking about the Apple Card. Will it ever come to Europe? We've still got those new Surface devices to talk about. Exciting hardware, but boring software. And uh, if you've got any topics you'd like us to cover, please do get in touch. Absolutely. Yes. Gentlemen, as always, a pleasure. Lots of love. And we will be back in a fortnight. Bye-bye. Bye.